I'm Drew Elliott from Seven Stones. You're listening to the Hope Rocks podcast with Jay Scott. What's going on? What's happening? How you doing? Hope everything's all right with you. It is Saturday night. I'm feeling all right. It's Jay Scott, and I am your host on the Hook Rocks, the ultimate rock community podcast, part of the Pantheon Podcast Network, a great network of music-related podcasts. You can check out all the great podcasts on PantheonPodcast.com. Follow them on Twitter at Pantheon Pods and follow us on Twitter at The Hook Rocks. Follow us wherever you do podcast, Spotify, Apple, Amazon, wherever. Don't forget to set your app to automatic download so you get all the brand new Hook Rocks episodes. It's Daylight Savings Day. We get an extra hour of sleep tomorrow. I am excited for that. You know you're old when you get excited for an extra hour of sleep at no cost. So everybody sleep in, enjoy the extra hour. It is well-deserved for all of us. Had the pleasure of seeing Blacktop Mojo. Got Cat coming up here soon to do a great interview. Cat's the bass player for Blacktop Mojo. Saw them this past Wednesday at the Rock House in Dundee, Illinois. Just an absolute fantastic show. Fantastic venue. Everybody knows, or people locally here, know the venues like the Metro, the Vic, Aragon, the Riviera. You know, Those are all great venues in the city. I'm sure I'm forgetting a couple, House of Blues and some others as well. And, and there's some really good ones in the suburbs. And... You know, I've been to the Forge quite a bit out in Joliet. Uh, there's the Brower House in Lombard. There's Dirty Nellies in Palatine that has a show from time to time. But I love, and my favorite place is the Rock House in Dundee. It's just a very cool venue. It used to be one of those old theaters that every kind of downtown area has. A lot of them were dollar theaters back in the day when we were growing up. Well, they took out, you know, the screen and the seats and they made this into a concert venue. At least I think that's how the story goes. I could be wrong, but 
it is kick ass. It is just a great ambiance, great feel. Uh, I saw Mammoth there earlier this year. I've seen Ryan Roxy, the guitar player from Alice Cooper, and I saw LA Guns there. It's such a uh, a cool venue. I wish more bands coming through would play there. I wish they would have you know more of the younger bands. I know Dirty Honey has played there um, quite a bit. Uh, Rad Key, I think, has played there too as well. So, yeah, if if you're a new band and you're listening to this, it's about 15 minutes off of I-90, and which is one of the main highways that runs through Chicago. And if you compare that to the Forge, where it's like a 25-minute drive off the highway, it, it there is no comparison, right? People can come out from the city, and they're 10, 15 minutes off the highway. You've got bars. You've got restaurants. You've got a really cool scene in the downtown area. That pulls people to that location. When you're dealing with a place that doesn't really have a lot of that, if you do a weekday show, there's traffic in the city of Chicago. And if you're going to eat out, you want to eat close to the to the place where the, the show's at. And Dundee provides that. There's so many cool restaurants. Uh, myself and the Youth Rocks ate right next door, like a block over at this place called Emmett's. We met High Stick Mick. You can follow him at High Stick Mick on Twitter. Uh, him and his friend were eating at the same place, and they got great beer soup. There's all types of bars around there and restaurants. It pulls people to that. So if you do have a show during the week and you're coming from the city, you're like, hey, we can leave now. We can grab a bite to eat, go right to the show, rather than, man, I'm going out to a venue that's a certain distance off of the highway, and there's nothing around there for us to eat. So I think I'll pass is what a lot of people say. Um, so keep that in mind. If uh, if you're looking to book a gig outside of Chicago, the Rock House, in my opinion, and the Brower House, too, is really right off the highway. It's right off of North Avenue in a town called Lombard. But getting to the show, Blacktop Mojo absolutely delivered. This is the second time I've seen them. I saw them at the Forge back in October of 2019 with a band called Lullwater and another band called Otherwise. And I, I will say this show was awesome. Not to say that the one at the Forge wasn't, but the crowd had so much energy at this show, and there was a good synergy between the band and the crowd, similar to what happened at the Vic Theater last week when I saw Rival Sons. Very great. You know, they had great energy, too, with the crowd. And that matters. You know, that matters to the band, too. When they get a crowd, and that crowd is... You know, a good sized crowd for a Wednesday for for a new band, and they're into it, and they're singing along, and they're that means so much to the performance. That means so much to how the band feels in the synergy you know you have with the crowd, and the crowd delivered, and the band absolutely delivered. Man, they sounded awesome. They sounded great. That room sounds fantastic. You know, they did a lot of songs off of their self-titled fourth album that just came out here in August. And the album is absolutely phenomenal. It's one of the best in 2021. You have to pick it up uh, if you haven't so yet. You can visit their website, blacktopmojo.com, and go to their merch section and buy the album there. 
I think they may have vinyl. I'm not sure. But if they don't have vinyl, they definitely have the CD. And they've got the rest of their CDs, too, as well. I'm a big fan of buying stuff at the show because I want to make sure that the money goes right to the band. So I held off on buying the CD uh, until Wednesday's show. And I, just awesome. I mean, some of the highlights, you know, were laid on uh, Bed Tundy, which has grown into my favorite song off of the new album. Just a killer groove, a killer vibe. I absolutely just love, love that song. Won't Last, uh, All Mine, Come and Get Your Coat are also some big highlights too as well. Just an absolute great performance. You know, these guys have been around for close to 10 years and they've had some recent changes in the band, but they are tight, man. You could tell that there's, you know, a, a big camaraderie with the band and with the guys in the group. They enjoy playing with each other, uh, which is something that is is really important. Uh, it makes the show so much better. Makes the band sound so tight. Uh, had a chance to talk with Matt James, the singer, briefly after the show. Told him what a great performance it was. Uh, he sounded absolutely phenomenal. As did the band. They've got a good, you know, good thing going. And as you'll hear in the interview with Cat, they have some really good things coming up in 2022. They're excited about some things, and hopefully those things do come to fruition. I know until it's announced, it's not really official, and there's always a chance, you know, things can change. But, um, yeah, I, I, hope, I hope that continues for them, and I hope that they get on to a good tour and get some really good exposure because they deserve it. They they release good music, great music. They're you know this last album here, from the first song to the last, each song gets better. Like the song after the second track, the third one is better than the fourth one. It's better than the fifth. You know, it it just keeps going. And you're sitting there listening to it, and you're like, I was talking to Chris Corradetti, who does the end of the quarter, end of the year album reviews. And I go, this album is so damn good. Like, it's really good. Like, you're listening to it, and it's just so like, this is a really good fucking album. Like, wow. And, of course, we live in a time where great music is not always accepted by the masses, and hopefully that changes. But this is a band that continues to evolve and continues to great to, to make great music. And my only hope for them is that they get appreciated like they should because they deserve it. They're a great band, great group of uh, guys, and they make absolutely fantastic music. They did a really cool uh, encore. They did an acoustic version of My Girl. Yes, the old Motown song, My Girl, and it was awesome. And they ended the show with Tush by ZZ Top, and it just banged, man. It was it was awesome. Uh, just great guitar work, great, great version. They they just nailed it. Uh, a perfect way for that band to end the night because, man, you know it's it's whenever you're doing a cover of a legendary song by a legendary band, you know the first thing I do is because you know I'm so familiar with that song that ZZ Top does. I kind of listen and and see if you know they're doing right by it and they do they do a great job they absolutely kill it um a great way to end the evening 
the crowd, like I said, was into it from song one to the last song. They did 16 songs, 15, 16 songs. That's awesome. You know, um, they've got four albums. You should own all of them. If you don't, again, go order them or go see them on tour. Um, they, they, they have this philosophy, which is really cool, that they're building their audience one show at a time. You know, they're, they're doing it old school. They're playing at places that, you know, who knows how many people are going to show up. And Kat has said that the crowds have been really good. And based on what I saw at the Rock House, I'm happy that they are. When I walked into that room on Wednesday and I saw the crowd, I'm like, wow, this is good. I'm happy for them. I told High Stick Mick, I'm like, I'm really happy they got a great crowd because, you know, I've been to some shows, you know, during the week that haven't been so good. And it's disappointing because I know these bands are disappointed and I know the music is so good. And it's, it's disappointing when you don't see a good turnout. But they had a, a really nice turnout, and the, and the crowd was, was so into it. And I was surprised, too, because these guys get, like, no radio airplay. At least in Chicago, I've never heard them. And people are singing along. People, I mean, this one guy in front of me had so much energy. It was just absolutely incredible. He was into it from, and he was probably older than me. And I'm 46, and he was, it was like a cardio workout for this dude. He was so into it. The crowd was just having a great time. And for a band like Blacktop Mojo to have that crowd on a Wednesday night uh, was put a smile on my face because I know how hard that band works and I know how great their music is and it's nice to see a good crowd appreciate what they're doing. Um, so I was I was happy and continued success for these guys on the rest of the tour. I know, I think they're touring through the end of November. So if you haven't seen them yet, go to their website and check them out. Uh, I guarantee you, you will love the show. You'll love the music. You know, they're, they're a very powerful band. I mean, Matt sounds so good. The band sounds absolutely phenomenal. It's just, man, it, you got to go. My recommendation is you got to go. You got to go check them out. Check out the interview here coming up with Kat. Let's get to it. Hope you enjoy it. Like I mentioned, we've got a great episode for you today. Uh, It is the third time a member of this band has appeared on The Hook Rocks, and I'm really excited because their fourth album, their self-titled album, Blacktop Mojo, is absolutely incredible. I'd like to welcome in bass player Kat from Blacktop Mojo. What's going on, man? How are you? Uh, I'm doing great, brother, man. How are you doing today? I'm doing good, man. How's the tour going? Man, it's been it's been pretty smooth. You know, uh, we haven't had near as many bus issues as we did the last run, so we're thankful for that. And man, all the shows have been great. You know, we've had pretty great turnout and just people ready to be back out there and rocking. And uh, man, the shows have been going smooth. Like everybody's just been, you know, kicking ass and taking names, man. That's awesome. Well, we're yeah, gonna, been, yeah. been, oh, no, I was just saying, it's been great. 
We're going to get into all that. We're going to talk about the album, the music, and what's been going on with you guys. But before we do that, we always ask the same first question every time we have a first-time guest, and that is what the show is all about. Just like every great rock song that has a hook that sucks you in, every rock fan uh-huh. has a moment, whether it's a song, an album, a band, or performance that hooked you on rock and roll. What was it? Hmm. Let me think about this because you know, from the time I was young, the first time I really heard anything that would be considered, I guess, rock and roll music, whether it was you know uh, stuff my older brother was playing, like you know, back in the day, he was listening, you know, what everybody listened to. He listened to. Creed, he listened to Incubus, he listened to uh, Nickelback and, you know, whatever was going on at the time. And so I would hear that and I would always like, you know, really dig it. Like I always uh, was fascinated and just loved the sound of heavy guitars, just thundering drums, like killer bass lines and powerful vocals. And ever since I've, I think, you know, when I was really young, I, I recollect the memory of uh, my dad uh, watching, I don't know, it's probably like VH1 Behind the Music or some kind of, something like that. But I remember seeing like, like the music videos of the, or the live performances of bands like Kiss and like the, the 80s hair bands and stuff and just seeing like, you know, these guys just going all out and just being ridiculous and then power slides and like, epic guitar solos just like really into what they're doing and you know i <laughs> i have a memory of uh in third grade like i would always power slide and do like an air guitar solo to get to my backpack which was in the back of the room so it was just you know and i remember picking that up from watching stuff like that and i guess it's just kind of always been there you know and my dad you know being a musician himself, like that's always been an impression on me. And he's he's a guitar player and phenomenal singer songwriter himself. So with it being family rooted as well as just being around it and picking up on it as a young kid, man, I guess it's just kind of been a part of me from the early stages of life. When did you want to pick up a bass? When did it become you know? When did that <laughs> instrument you know hook you on wanting to play that? <laughs> Gotcha. Well, I actually was, I didn't really have an interest in bass at first. It was kind of more of a thing that grew on me as I grew as a musician. Also, what my band needed at the time. You know, uh, I originally joined Black Tom Mojo in 2015 playing guitar. uh, And that was my first love, really. Like, you know, when I was younger, I tried to play drums and I uh, just didn't have the patience for it as a kid, like just sit down and be in one space for too long. You know what I mean? <laughs> and so uh, what happened was is when I was 15, I had a skateboarding accident and broke my leg and that sat me down long enough to, you know, really put into the interest I had grown in guitar, like just, it really sat me down long enough to really focus on it and really fall in love with it as I began to learn it and began to appreciate it, you know, and the, the art of it and 
the uh, craft of it. And then whenever, to answer your question about the bass, and, uh, you know, Nathan and I, after uh, Chris Davis, our original bass player left, like we had, you know, people filling in for us and our, our producer also played bass for us on a few live gigs. And uh, Nathan and I were always talking about how we almost needed, like, someone that could shred on guitar, but that would be that could play along with the guitar riffs, but also like be a bass player. And we had this conversation on the phone many times and it would be like, I'd be looking in the mirror and be like, yeah, I don't know where we're going to find a guy like that. <laughs> and so, uh, in 2016, I, uh, moved over to bass. And the first thing I did on bass was our dream on cover, which most people know when they know us. And, uh, that was the first, bass thing I laid down for this band and that's really how I, how I came about it like our band needed a, a good bass player so I I just stepped into that role and like I fell in love with it in a way that I never actually perceived myself doing so like I never imagined I would be the bass player but it I love it like it's it's become more of a love for me than even you know being a guitar player ever was because I think I I don't know man it's just happy accidents is what I like to call it like Bob Ross says just things happen and they end up being better than what you even envisioned it being sometimes hope that rambling answered your question I kind of like went off on a little rabbit trail there in my thoughts but absolutely it's interesting that you mentioned breaking your leg and you know, finding then finding the time to learn guitar. I was just watching the documentary on Stephen Piercy, the the lead singer of of Rat, and right, he was talking about when he was a kid, he got hit by a car and broke oh, both wow. of, broke both of his legs, and that propelled <laughs> him to learn Damn. guitar. You know, because he yeah. was laid up too as well. So it's interesting that you know, out of you know, a tragedy or out of something bad, something like that happens. Something good happens like that. You know, um, right? And, and it's like at, at at 15 years old, I was just more interested in hanging out with my friends and doing stupid stuff. Whereas you know, if I hadn't broke my leg, like I probably would have like you know not fo- had the focus I had on it. You know, same same for him. Yeah, absolutely. Wow, how that happened. Yeah. As far as influences go, you know, once you picked it up, you know, who were you listening to to kind of shape your playing and shape your style? Well, I think naturally, like most, uh, you know, I think most bass players, when they first pick up the instrument, like everybody knows who Flea is, so you naturally go, check that out but then it's like you start discovering other stuff like my my roommate this is actually i would say a huge influence on me as far as my bass playing goes because uh my roommate was quite a great bass player himself his name is noah bot and uh uh he happened to you know be a professional bass player back in his 20s and then he kind of got off of it but he's still you know phenomenal bass player i learned a lot from him and he was the one that really kind of convinced me to use my fingers and not just, you know, do the guitar player thing and <laughs> move over to bass and just like stick around on it. You know, 
he really encouraged me to develop a, a plucking style and like learn to use my hand that way. So um, he was really influenced by Jocko Pistorius, you know, and like when I, I first moved over to bass, like I uh, started looking like at players like that. And then, you know, of course I had my influences on guitar as well. And most of them, you know, had killer bass players as well. Like I was really influenced by Jerry Cantrell of Allison Chains, you know, Mike Starr and Mike Inez are both killer. And, you know, uh, even Ben Shepard from Soundgarden and stuff like that. There's just like little things in like all the bands that I really enjoyed, like even Incubus, their bass player, who's freaking phenomenal as well. And uh, then I found Primus as I began to play bass a little bit more. Like, I, you know, I knew who Primus was and like I knew like, you know, the bigger songs and stuff, but like I really started to dive in after we uh played that show with them at uh um I think it was River City Rock Fest in San Antonio. They were headlining like one of the bigger stages or something. And so I was like, Oh yeah, I remember those guys and so I started listening to all their other stuff and I'm like, Holy shit, like what have I been missing out on? <laughs> and so uh I started like hearing stuff like that and then just uh, I don't know, man. Like, like over the years, I, I've grown different influences for bass just as I keep discovering new things and old things. And uh, becoming a bass player definitely changed my perspective. Like when I'm listening to music now, like I'm definitely like listening more to the the rhythm section a lot more than, you know, the, the melody of the guitars or the vocals anymore. It's like I'm kind of listening to it from a you know, just a whole other perspective. So now when I go back and listen to some of my favorite music, I'm like, oh, dang, I never noticed that before. And so then I'll pick up something else from even stuff that I've been listening to the whole time that probably was uh, an influence on me subconsciously, especially all those uh, classic rock bands like that my dad introduced me to when I did pick up a guitar and stuff because when I first started playing guitar, you know, I was, a teenager that skateboarded listening to Slipknot and uh, uh, Sum 41 and uh, Lincoln Park and stuff like that. And my dad's like, nah, you need to learn to play this kind of stuff. And he gives me a Foreigner CD and Skinner and the Eagles. And then I had my whole, like, pretty much my entire, um, well, my late teens, like, I had a whole classic rock phase where like when I was playing guitar, like all my friends were trying to do all the hardcore screamo type stuff. And I was over here learning Zeppelin and Sabbath and ACDC and stuff like that. <laughs> did you and find, yeah, I mean, all those bands, I mean, did you find yourself, was it difficult for you to kind of, you know, obviously playing guitar, you know, it, there's similarities, but there's also a lot of differences in how you play within the band there's a lot of di- you know, differences too as well. Was that a difficult transition for you? I, I don't know. I don't think it was because, uh, you know, Nathan always complimented like my rhythm, like as far as being able to like, you know, sync up with him really well. Even when I was playing guitar in every band I formed, like before black, black top, well, I didn't form black top. I joined into it, but, like in any other band I was trying to be in in the past, like I was always super picky about the bass players. And 
like especially in Alabama growing up, like I always had my buddy Josh Creekmore, who's a great bass player. And uh, like I, I just got used to having him there and having somebody that was that good on the instruments so, and like just like had that different perspective on things with the, the theory and the stuff like that. And I feel like, um, you know, I, I really was a lot more influenced by things like that. Like then I realized when I did trans over transition over to bass. So in a way, I believe it did make it a lot easier for me to transition over, you know, as far as the band goes, the new album, the self-titled album, Blacktop Mojo, came out in August. It is absolutely fantastic. It is a long-awaited, yeah, to the to the you know from the from the previous album. You know, this album is a lot different in in, in certain ways. I mean, you know, it has <laughs> yeah. it has the Blacktop Mojo sound, but you guys have definitely evolved and taken a step to the next level in terms of the musicianship and the writing. Where did that come from? What what um, you know? What transpired between the last album and this one? I mean, obviously, you know, we have all these things happening in the world. But in in terms of the band internally, you know, where did you guys kind of find you know a different a different way, a different style uh, of of music? Well, I mean, <laughs> there's a cluster of factors that I think can contribute to that. Which I mean, as you know, like is with anything but I would say um let's see Chuck joined the band in 2018 and like pretty much the Under the Sun album cycle like we were touring like all of 2019 and 2018 and just all that playing together and that spending time together and growing together and you know jamming together all the time just created a a chemistry I believe a a new kind of uh, feel for all of us because we all became comfortable, you know, with Chuck joining the band and me, Matt, Kiefer, and Nate, you know, we'd been playing together for a few years at that point, but then Chuck just jumped right in. And of course him being the talented, ridiculous guitar player and musician he is just filled into his role right there. And then with this latest album, as, as we, like I said, we were touring together, we were writing together, we were hanging out all the time. We were just, around each other and then the pandemic happens like right after we get off that it won't last tour and like we were like in a way like on a wild nine kind of feel because that tour went really well and we had just gotten like our our uh, new rig that we were riding around in and we were all just like seeing starting to see crowds and places that we hadn't necessarily had much love from in the past and then all of a sudden you know the country shuts down and we're just like oh wow okay so we all dealt with that loss together as well and then we all adapted and overcame together throughout 2020 and a lot of the writing this latest album I think happened in that time of adaptation and overcoming and sticking into it sticking it together and just like uh, coming back out like still surviving and still being and actually coming out stronger in a way and I think that's where a lot of it came from man I believe that what y'all are hearing is just that 
that bond that we kind of made and the, the, uh, emotions and the stirring of our souls that was going on in the middle of, uh, between under the sun and this album here. Was it, you know, you talk about everything going on and I know you guys, you know, live under the same roof for now. Most of you guys do. I know, you know, some people. Well, yeah, that's also been a change lately. Yeah. yeah. There's uh, some of the guys getting married and like, we're all kind of like spreading out a little bit, you know, and that's also been like, you know, a, a difference in the, uh, in some things, but it's, it's not like a bad difference. Like everybody's just growing up man, and, uh, we're growing and expanding and just how, how these things go. <laughs> How how do you guys manage those differences? I mean, you know, you guys are such a close knit group. You know, living under the same right. roof, you guys are, are are all good friends. And you know, there are bands out there that have a lot of different dynamics where you know maybe they're not friends and maybe they're just you know writing partners or, or they're in the same band. But you guys truly, you know, do bleed the blacktop mojo. And you know, now when other people are moving out and kind of moving on separately, not from the band. But just personally, how does that change the dynamic? Or how does how does how do you guys manage or, or navigate through those changes? You know, while making a record, while touring, and all those things that come to be, you know, part of a band. Well, I think because at the end of the day, we're all we're all in this together, and we've always said from the beginning, through thick and thin, like no matter how our lives change, that you know, we're there for each other. Like we're looking out for one another because Black Tie Mojo is not just one person. It's our, it's our, it's a whole unit and you become a part of that body and that unit and the body and unit as Black Tie Mojo itself takes care of itself as in all the pieces of it. And at the end of the day, we, we all come together and we're going to live on that, you know, bus together anyway. So it's like uh, we lived together off the road, like did life together on and off the road. And at the end of the day, we know we're coming together and we're going to be the same guys that we were when we got off the bus and went and did our own individual lives and stuff. But we know that we're going to all have each other's best interests at heart and each other's backs and I think that's how, man. I think we just collectively, like, just know that we're all, you know, in this together and we're, we're doing what's best for everybody, you know? Do you guys know when you're making an album like the one you just released, do you know, like, while you're making it, that it kicks ass? <laughs> Actually, yeah. Like, there was really, with this album in particular, we all got in there and there was just this kind of this powerful piece. I can't like, like we just all collectively had, like we just went in there and there was just this zen about it. And we, everything went smooth. Everybody knocked out their stuff and we just all filled our roles like perfectly. Like everybody knew what to do. And like, we'd been, you know, this is our fourth album. So we're pretty, savvy in the studio by this point and uh 
there was a lot of times like we would get finished <laughs> with a track and just be like, man, that sounds so good. And just knowing that the raw tracks like coming in from the board and it sounds that good and you feel that good about the song, you just know it's going to be awesome when it's finished, like mixed, mastered, and all the way done. And yeah, there are definitely those moments where you know this is awesome. And at the end of the day, that's really what matters because, like, if you don't like what you're doing, then <laughs> what's the point in doing it? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, I just know, like, this album has so many layers to it, man. It, it's so it's it's like a canvas right where you paint and you, know, you yeah. keep adding color you keep adding shapes to it and it you know it comes out and you know the album is is one of the best albums that's been released so far this year and, and this year has well, had so you, much bro. yeah it's had so much great music um was was the intent to always release this in 2021 or did it you know was there um you know was this pushed back well, from 2020 no, this was, like, we knew it was going to be released in 2021, obviously, because we uh, came out of uh, 2020 going into the studio in January, and we knew it was going to be, you know, at least by fall-ish that we knew that we would have it probably completely finished, the mixed and mastered and everything. But, you know all the songwriting and stuff that happened in 2020, you know, originally, you know, the plan was to tour out and finish out the cycle for, uh, the under the sun record and then go back and start writing, you know, for the fourth album, which we would have been doing anyway. We would have been, we're always like writing and creating and stuff, but, uh, the static EP was kind of like something, that we decided to put out there during 2020 that was kind of like, well, we might as well release this, like, because we have it, you know, and give something for everybody to have during this time. And then, I don't, to answer your question, like, it wasn't, it definitely wasn't a 2020 thing. Like, we pushed back into 2021. It was just something we created within 2020. And then, uh, recorded at the very beginning of this year and kind of we're just like all right we'll we'll put this out once it's done kind of thing as far as that makes sense yeah no it makes it makes perfect sense as far as you know the tour goes you know one of the things that we talked Uh about prior to the pandemic was the state of rock and roll and its struggle to be relevant again and right. uh, with the new emerging bands that are coming out, like yourselves and other bands too, have you seen a change in the the crowds? Have you have you seen a change in who's listening to your music in terms of like is it is it becoming more of a younger crowd? Have you noticed anything a- different? Actually, absolutely, we have. Like, we've definitely noticed. Like, we've always like. Um, had an appreciation from people that were, you know, around when rock and roll was like, you know, king and stuff like that. And then the younger generation tended to kind of, you know, drift more toward electronic kind of just dance music. (laughs) 
pretty much. And now what we're starting to see is some of those kids that were into music like that, like they're finding an appreciation for music that, you know, it's just people playing it with their instrument, like with instruments and just like a band jamming together, like individuals, like just like creating organically something like together, you know, I've definitely believed that there's a, been a growing interest in that since the pandemic, because there have been a lot younger people in their like 20s, 20 to 30. Like there's been like a increase in that number of people I've seen out at shows because it's like they haven't really seen like, you know, the legendary like rock bands, like that we all know, like as rock fans, like, you know, the Zeppelins and Metallicas and stuff, when they were in the club days, they, they had no way of seeing that. So like for them to see a rock band kind of in that vein now, just up there in a small club, like giving it all they got, it's like, they've never seen that before. So now it's like, Oh, what the heck is this? And then they, are telling their friends about it and it just starts like it's a cycle all over again really it's just I think 2020 kind of in a way made a death and resurrection kind of thing happen where there's a uh, interest in live performance and live music like because we kind of took it for granted before that you know I feel like well I've often said on this show, and my listeners will know, I, I, I've, I've said this several times, that you know, when you're a young kid and you've got to go through the pandemic and you're not allowed to go to school and you're sitting at home doing the same thing every day, you know, a, lot of, right. a, a lot of angst comes out of that. And Absolutely. Through angst, rock and roll always thrives. And I think... Right. You know, some of these, uh, ki- yeah. yeah, some of these kids who may have gone in listening to pop music or, you know, electronic music, like you mentioned, after a while, when you're doing the same thing every day because you can't go out, mm-hmm. you're limited to what you can do, you're going to look, you're a kid, you're a young kid, you're going to look for something else to capture your interest. You can only play the same video right. game, you know, enough times. You can only hear the same song right. enough times before you say, yeah. Uh, you know, what's this rock music? You know, what's this all about? Yeah. And and I think there's a lot of discovery in that. And I think because Absolutely. there's a, because there's a lot of that anger and that I mean rock and roll has always thrived on the fuck you and the and the anger and the right. <laughs> and it has, you know. Oh, and yeah. and I think there's no bigger way than being 15, 16 years old, you know, sitting in front of a computer Having screen. That energy. Yeah. Needing something, needing to change, needing something and I think that's why you're seeing all these bands starting to finally, you know, get listened by, you know, young people or have young people finally listen to them, you know, whether it's you guys or, you know, whether it's whomever, you know, I mean, I know right. prior to the pandemic, there was a handful of new bands like Greta Van Fleet or the Struts or some other yeah. bands that were, you know, that made some inwards with young people. But now I think you're seeing a whole bunch of new bands really right. benefit from, you know, young kids finding themselves throughout that pandemic. A hundred percent. And also, yeah, like 
just the discovery of something different than what they had been listening to the previous couple of years. You know, it, it's probably like a polar opposite shift in a way. Yeah, and then of course, then like, you know, when you take when you when a young kid goes sees a, a rock show, right? Like I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm taking my 16 year old son to see you guys tomorrow night. He's been a lot, a lot of different. Oh concerts, hell yeah! You know, that's awesome, man. But when <laughs> when you see a, a you know a rock band and you're a young kid, yeah, you know, that's the coolest shit ever. You know, absolutely. Like, dude, that's that's the thing. Like, I tell people I had this ACDC phase when I was 16, but I'm not kidding, man. Like the first time I heard that. I just, I don't, I don't forget it. Like, I don't forget that feeling. You know what I mean? That just, that, just, ah, this is so freaking, ah, so awesome. Like, what is this? You know, kind of thing. And I, I remember several, like, moments like that when I was discovering, like, like you said, like, just discovering rock and roll music and discovering, like, bands that just kicked ass live and, like, almost were like even more an explosion of energy live than they even could like produce on a record back then, you know, and then going and like, like when I was a teenager, energy, you know, YouTube and stuff was there. So it's like, and what was being put on YouTube was stuff like all those old, uh, live footage and live videos and stuff that like, like MTV put out and like, you couldn't like just watch on TV. Like, so it's like when you wanted to go watch like, one of these bands you're discovering play live, you just look it up on YouTube in class when you were bored. And that's how, like, dude, I, I remember watching uh, Pearl Jam 92, that Pink Pop concert. And that, that freaking, like, that was another, like, significant change in, in my life, I feel like, dude, because I just was like, oh, my God, like, just the passion, the energy, the freaking rawness and realness of it all. Just, it, it moves you, man. And I think it really like shifts your, your, uh, person in a way. Yeah. I, I think, I think you're right. I mean, there's still nothing like it. I mean, I'm, I'm in my mid forties and when, mm-hmm. I, when I go to a show, I still get that charge. I just saw rival uh-huh. sons last week, you know, in Chicago. Oh man. And, you know, it's the third time I've seen him and it's just, the crowd was insane. The, 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 the music, yeah. I mean, it was, it was awesome. And it's like, I still get that charge. And for a young kid, yeah. you know, when they see a band come out and it's like, you know, it's electrifying, man. It, <clears throat> like it, it really, yeah. it, it touches your soul. I mean, there's nothing, there's, there's yeah, no dude. going back. There's no going back. Once there isn't, feel. once you hit the lightning rod of rock and roll, man, it's like, well, your thunder sucks, bro. <laughs> yeah, and I think you know when you see all these new bands like yourselves, and I and, and the album backs it up, right? I mean, you know, we can talk yeah. all you know till we're blue in the face about bringing back rock and roll. When you release right. an album like you guys did, you know, it's it's oh, wow. it's, it's tremendous, you know, in, in that because I often believe that whatever's good will be found, and I steal that quote because I I interviewed Blake Allard from Joyous Wolf, and he said that in the interview. He's like, I don't read, I don't. I don't try to, to, to think about the relevancy of rock and roll. If we keep playing good music, people will find us. And I, and I truly believe right. that eventually that'll happen. Yeah, that's true. You know? Yeah, most definitely. And that's something, honestly, like we can attest to because, dude, like people are still like finding us on YouTube through videos we put out five years ago. 
Yeah. Like they're still, they're still discovering, like that's the beauty of the, the age that we do live in is that that's a lot more accessible to everybody. Like it's not just what's being pumped through the mainstream or by just word of mouth anymore. It's like word of mouth has become a lot larger <laughs> because of social media and because of things like YouTube and stuff. People are constantly able to find something that may have been there for a few years, but to them it's, it's a brand new thing. I, I believe that. I think sometimes we get too caught up in trying to make rock and roll mainstream again when in, in reality or flash in the pan yeah well yeah i mean but in reality it's never really been mainstream right i mean it's never i mean yeah. i mean the beatles were mainstream but that was decades ago but rock and roll is so much cooler when it's not mainstream when it is right you know the underground thing or the you know that you know kids are listening to or when you know they, they're afraid yeah. if their parents hear the the music coming from the bedroom that's when it's cool when it's mainstream, yeah. it, 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 it's too shiny. It's too polished. Can be, yeah. For sure. What's next for you guys? You guys are doing this tour, and uh, what's coming up in 2022? Well, we, uh, we definitely have some things for y'all to be looking out for. Uh, um, well, that I know that we're going to be doing kind of in December. Uh, with some people, I don't. I don't think I can talk about some of it, but uh, I know uh, we're doing Ship Rock. That's one of the next big things. That's going to be uh, February 2022, uh, and then after that, we're going to be going out on another run for the spring. But I can't announce that yet either. <laughs> All right. So. But we're definitely y'all definitely know about it because we're gonna we're gonna blast it out there and you'll see it. <laughs> is it uh, is it you guys with some you know like like opening or is it going to be like it like this tour is? Okay, so we've you know we've had a few like week two week runs as a main support, but we've most of our tours have been like headlining tours, like even going back to 2017, man, like, I remember, even though, like, we were headlining our own tour, it was like, there'd sometimes be five people in these small little places we were playing at, and we've just been doing that over the years, like, and kept growing like that, in a way, like, grinding, as you would say, and, uh, you know, because of how people discover you nowadays through the internet, you know, that's grown naturally on its own, as we, there was a band, like, the uh, Mojo Nation kind of grew with us. And ma- main point is, is that we're going to be main support for a, a band that's uh, been very successful and uh, we're actually pretty cool with and uh, them and their crew. And uh, it's going to be good. And we're going to be going all over the place. And we're going to hit the West Coast, going to hit some Canada, going to hit some Midwest and some... Southeast and Northeast and all that stuff with those guys. So, you guys are invading invading the globe. Yeah. Well, hopefully, hopefully we'll get across the pond at some point, man. Like we we get messages and comments all the time from the UK and Ireland and Germany and like all all kinds of places in Europe. <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, Europe and the UK, you know, it, the rock scene is is doing very well, you know, in terms of oh, hundred oh, percent, man. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's a different, it's a different appreciation over there, man. It really is. For it, totally is. I look forward to checking it out. <laughs> well, Cat Man, it's been a blast. I do appreciate you doing this, man. I yeah, look forward Drake. to the show tomorrow. Oh yeah, man. Looking forward to seeing y'all meeting your son and rocking out with you guys. Dude. It's been a good talking to you. Yeah, absolutely, man. Thank you very much for doing it. I appreciate it. Oh, thank you, Jay. I appreciate you, brother. All right, everybody. That's Cat from Blacktop Mojo. Check out their tour dates on all social media platforms. I'm Jay Scott. This is The Hook Rocks. Take care of yourself. We'll chat soon. Thanks. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.